have friends in high places. The Ascended Masters, saints and sages of East and West, have walked where you walk. They know the trials and challenges you face, and they offer clear and practical tools for overcoming human limitations and guiding you back to the heart of God through your ascension. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. Well, greetings everyone, and thanks again for joining us today. And just to confirm that you are in the right place, you know, which of course you are, you are tuned to The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher, and it is my pleasure to introduce to you today my new co-host, the world's nicest man, Terry Kennedy. Hi, Terry. Hi there, Tom. <laughs> it's good to see you here. Well, it's good to be here. Our Thank focus you. today is on a subject we've addressed before, light versus darkness. You know, I suppose you could say that this subject is never far away from anything we talk about in this program. Well, it certainly should come as no surprise that there's a war going on between the forces of light and darkness. Oh, yeah. I mean, just look around in the world. And, and the prize that's at stake in this war is our light. Yeah, and it's kind of scary when you think about no it. No kidding. The, yeah. uh, the light that we bear is God's light, and yeah. the fallen angels want it very badly. You know, and no wonder they can't live without it. You know, when the fallen angels fell from heaven, they were cut off from God and therefore from the one true source of light. Now the only way they can gain new light is to get it from us. And they've developed many successful strategies for doing just that. And we don't want to simply be duped into giving it to them. Oh, no, we don't. You know, But how do we keep our light protected from the fallen ones? Well, we've got to learn how, to, uh, uh, how they try to steal it yep. from us in the first place. Exactly, which is why we're talking today about strategies of light and darkness. You know, what the fallen ones have done for eons is to practice various strategies that have proven to be successful means of stealing our light. And it should be noted here that if we all stopped allowing our light to be squandered, the fallen angels would simply cease to exist. Oh, wouldn't that be a good thing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, in a remarkable little book entitled, Not Coincidentally, Strategies of Light and Darkness, Mark and Elizabeth Prophet specify 33 strategies of darkness and 33 strategies of light. You know, if you want to make a note of that, again, the title is Strategies of Light and Darkness by Mark L. and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. It's from Summit University Press, and you can find it in the bookstore at tsl.org, or, of course, on Amazon. You know, it's probably in your favorite bookstore as well. And, uh, obviously, we don't have the time to cover all 33 strategies <laughs> of darkness and light today, but uh, we can certainly hit on some highlights. Oh, yes, coming in at number 10 with a bullet, it's self-condemnation. <laughs> Actually, though, you know, we cover a few of the more common strategies that the dark side will try to use on us. We're going to sound very familiar well, you named one, condemnation. Yep. Now, there's also isolation and aloneness. There's flattery, self-absorption, discouragement, sympathy. Ah, sympathy. Now, that's one we will examine in more detail a bit later on. You know, but to continue, uh, what about those nagging little voices that tell us, you're not good enough. You have to be perfect before you can be acceptable. You're out of your league. I have to do this myself. And as we said, there are 33 at least basic <laughs> strategies for stealing our light. Yeah. Now, the first strategy of darkness is always the separation of man and God. Oh. And if you've studied our educational system at all, <laughs> you'll realize that the separation is being promoted every day in classrooms everywhere. You know, Terry, here's a current statistic that I find very sad. 
88% of children from Christian homes lose God by the time they graduate from high school. That's pretty amazing. Uh, Young people in particular are especially vulnerable to peer pressure. They don't want to be alone or isolated. Many are led to believe that no one else has ever gone through (laughs) what they are suffering. I've been there. You know, the truth is we are unaware of what the saints have gone through. We could very easily feel alone. Well, and without that understanding of the commonality of experience, thoughts of vulnerability and isolation can lead to rage, rebellion, mental disease, and even suicide. And when that happens, the dark ones win. Yes, they do. And they have severed your ties to God. So, how do we counter this strategy? Well, you know, one of the most important teachings you can share with others is to tell them of their connection to the mighty I Am Presence and Holy Christ Self, the light within. And by doing so, you are connecting them to their own innate divinity and helping them understand that they are a member of the community of the Holy Spirit. Indeed. Hmm. Meditate on your I Am Presence, connect with one or more of the Ascended Masters, read and study their teachings. You know, another great strategy is to study the lives of the saints. And I mentioned the saints just a moment ago. You'll be quite surprised to learn that there's literally nothing you can experience in this life that many of the saints before you haven't also faced. And above all, you must refute the lie that you are alone and apart from God. Oh, right. You know, God is in you. The love of God surrounds you. The light of God shines through you. You know, now here's another common strategy of the darkness. It's believing the statement, you are not good enough. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> there are very few of us who have not fallen for that belief at one time or another. Right. And they'll uh, they'll have you believe that if you're a sinner, <laughs> you can't be a saint, so why try? You know, in that same vein, they'll make Jesus, Mother Mary, Buddha, the saints seem so lofty and remote that we feel we could never measure up. Okay. Now, we mentioned uh, sympathy a few minutes right ago, on. the strategies of darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, care to explain a well, little bit? Well, yeah, sure. You know, essentially, sympathy is agreement with limitation. And it's not the same as compassion. It's a, it's a difference in vibration. Right, 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 exactly. Elizabeth Clare Prophet has said that if the fallen ones cannot get you on any other vibration, they will always get you on sympathy. And the fallen ones are quite skillful at making us feel <laughs> sorry for them, or perhaps feeling indebted for some act or gift. And then they've got you hooked. You know, even when you try to set a loving boundary, you might get a tearful, how could you do this to me? That sympathetic hook is a downward spiral, and it catches us at the level of the solar plexus. On the other hand, Mm -hmm. uh, compassion sees the truth and asks the question, what is the highest good here? Compassion is an upward spiral as opposed to the downward nature of sympathy. Right, and there you've captured the strategy of light that will counter the temptation to sympathize. Understand the difference between sympathy and compassion and ask the question, what is the highest good here? And, uh, uh, Tom, where does uh, empathy fit in uh, this? Yeah. <laughs> now, that sounds like a great question for Sidney Bennett when we get to our Q&A in a few minutes. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, there's uh, one of the all-time classic favorite strategies of the fallen ones, divide and conquer. Oh, yeah, they'll pull this out all the time, and it often seems to work. Yeah, too often, yeah. as a matter of fact. Uh, we will see this played out, in, especially in political campaigns, mm-hmm. in efforts to manipulate public opinion, in promoting social agendas, and so on. You know, there's a great quote from Foundations of the Path by Mark and Elizabeth Prophet. It goes this way. Divide and conquer is a method the negative forces use successfully. Man's propensity to condemn has for thousands of years kept him under the tyranny of negative patterns. In fact, individuals who do the same things they criticize are often the most violent in their condemnation of others. Amen to that. <laughs> and the best way to avoid it is simply not to do it. That's right. <laughs> Don't listen to gossip and rumors about others. Make a call to your Holy Christ self to discern the truth in what you hear or see. Don't allow distrust and suspicion to grow within your mind, but instead strive to hold others in the highest light possible. The Immaculate Concept. Now, you can ask Mother Mary for help with this issue, and always keep your eyes and your heart open. Yep, yeah, good advice. 
advice. You know, Terry, I know you've prepared a little recorded segment for us, but before we get to it, I want to mention one other common strategy of the following ones, the feel-good strategy. Aha, uh-huh. takes me back to the 60s. Oh, you and me both, brother. The feel-good strategy, in a nutshell, is simply, if it feels good, it must be right. Well, Wrong. It, yeah, it's a seductive <laughs> suggestion, but it's useful to remember that the feelings are not always, uh, that our feelings are not always a reliable guide. Yeah. A lot of things that feel good aren't really good for us. You know, and the antidote to the feel-good strategy isn't mortification and fanatical hardship or anything like that. If you simply choose to bond with your Holy Christ self and learn to recognize the voice of your Christ self within, then you will be guided toward things that are truly good. Okay, Terry, I think it's time we heard what you prepared on this subject of the strategies of light and darkness. And let's hear that right now. (laughs) What are the strategies of light and the strategies of darkness? The Great White Brotherhood has a strategy for the victory of the light on planet Earth and for the ascension of every single soul of light, and the masters, angels, and the representatives of the Great White Brotherhood work to implement it. There is a hierarchy of light dedicated to realizing this plan of salvation. However, Mark Prophet, in one of his last lectures, explained that just as there are houses of light on the earth, so the false hierarchy has its own houses of darkness. Just as there are angels of light, so there are angels of darkness, or fallen angels. Lord Maitreya tells us that the false hierarchy has an entire evolution, all the way back to the one who sits on the throne of the impostor of the Almighty One, the counterfeit throne of God. This hierarchy of darkness works to its own ends. Lord Maitreya gave us an additional insight. The fallen ones plan not for decades, but for centuries. He encouraged us to do the same, to plan for decades, centuries, and the millennia. Let us see then how children of God and sons and daughters working with the angels may also evolve a plan and set in motion the safety measures from the great causal body of the great divine director, safeguards that will put electrodes of the cosmic Christ in the way of the evildoer. What a wonderful call to make each day. In the name of my mighty I Am Presence and Holy Christ Self, I call for the plan and the safety measures from the great divine director, safeguards that will put electrodes of the cosmic Christ in the way of the evildoer. The Brothers of Shadow know the Great White Brotherhood has a plan, and they plot against it every hour and every day. They try to preempt the plans of the light, and this in itself is a strategy. Our assignment is to know the strategies and overcome them with light. How does this involve you? All the strategies of the Dark Ones involve you personally. Mark Prophet said that there are none who are not touched by them. But do you know when they are at work in your life? It is important to develop discernment. Discernment is the need of the hour. Lord Maitreya spoke of the three Ds of discernment, discrimination, and determination. These three Ds form a threefold flame of love, wisdom, and power. Discernment Mind, yellow ray. Discrimination, heart, pink ray. Determination, will, blue ray. Discernment is when we know the spectrum of strategies and recognize them in our lives. Discrimination is when we perceive which one is at play. Determination is when we resolve to use this knowledge to overcome the darkness. It will take discernment, discrimination, and determination 
because these strategies can be subtle. This is why the Masters have asked us to study our personal psychology. The weaknesses in our psychology leave us vulnerable to these intrigues. So what can we do? Consciously recognize the strategies of darkness, discern when they are at work in your life, discriminate and judge correctly, determine to do better, and counteract them with the strategies of light. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Knowledge and understanding can be the two-edged sword cleaving asunder the real from the unreal. When followed by right action, the light is invincible. The battle of light and darkness is like a chess game with many moves to learn. But once you know the game, it is easier to play and to win. God in you plays the game, and God in you is the victor. You will find that one strategy of darkness often interacts or interconnects with another. The effects of the strategies also tend to feed off one another and to compound. The resulting pile-up, which carries a greater and greater negative charge, is intended to overwhelm the light-bearer, who feels besieged during a prolonged attack from all directions that increases in intensity. We need to remind one another when we are in the midst of testing. El Moria, St. Germain, and Lord Maitreya have advised us, forewarned is forearmed. To pass your tests, just get up one more time than you fall down. Remember that a saint is a sinner who never gave up. St. Germain wants one particular quality from each of us, endurance. Can we endure until the end of our cycles of karma and win the prize? In God we can. Above all, remember that evil has no permanent reality. The dweller on the threshold is not the real you, nor is it the reality of others. So be kind and merciful to yourself and to others. Place your attention upon your mighty I Am Presence and Holy Christ Self, and love the source of light within you and within others. Love is the key to our victory. All that we do ultimately comes down to love. How much do we love? Love is what will ultimately see us through the testings, the intense battles, the drawn-out wars, and all that we will face on the path as we learn to master the strategies of light and darkness. When we return, we will hear an extraordinary interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet, in which she speaks of one of the key strategies that the fallen ones use to separate us from our light. Don't go away. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Uh, Welcome back, everyone. In the following interview, Elizabeth Clare Prophet tells us that there is a counterforce we are all subjected to that seeks to drain us of our light and life. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. How would you describe the mother force as active in life? Well, since the mother principle is that which nourishes life, we can think of her and of this flame as the energy in education, in science, in great works of art, great music, great paintings, sculpture and drama, science that pursues the mastery and conquest of time and space. All of this is the mother force nurturing life. It is God within us that is releasing the energy that tutors the soul in the way that it must go. We find then that the presence of mother as all of the beauty and all of the goals which we see in life is beset by a counter force which we find depicted in that 12th chapter of the book of Revelation when the dragon comes forth at the moment when the mother is going to give birth to the man-child. This is the mother within us all giving birth to our own Christ consciousness. And he seeks to tear from us that man-child as soon as it is born. We find then that this is an anti-mother, anti-Christ force in the world. How does it manifest? Child pornography, the desecration of woman, the tearing down of true educational values, even the tearing down of each individual nationhood and of our own history, the understanding of God government as the means to liberate the soul rather than to enslave it to the state. Many forces active in the world today, very active in the media itself, to tear down the true values of the real self of all the real self of all we call the Christ. You can call it the Buddha, you can call it whatever, but it is that true inherent reality, and it is the mother soul, the mother force of a cosmos, which protects this emerging identity within us all. When we experience then the alienation of mother, or we allow the forces of anti-mother to encroach upon our family and upon our life, we find that everything that we try to do is torn down, it disintegrates, there is chaos, there is confusion. But what do we find as the antidote to this? We find that in that 12th chapter of the book of Revelation, God sends his emissary, Michael the archangel, to challenge that dragon. And there is war in heaven, and Michael and his angels defeat that dragon and cast him out of heaven into the earth. And so we find that if we are going to really raise up the light of mother, which is such a cosmic force for creativity within us, we must enlist that emissary of God, that archangel Michael, to come to our aid for protection. This we can do in the decree to Lord Michael, which we have given before on this program, or a very simple call to Michael the Archangel, which goes this way. Lord Michael before, Lord Michael behind, Lord Michael to the right, Lord Michael to the left, 
Lord Michael above, Lord Michael below, Lord Michael, Lord Michael, wherever I go. I am his love protecting here, I am his love protecting here, I am his love protecting here. Now many times it is necessary to call forth the intercession of the angelic hosts of light, principally Archangel Michael, because it is his office to defend our faith and to defend the flow of father, mother, and son within our own consciousness. When you talk about mother, are you talking about an impersonal force or something more personal? Doug, I'm talking about both the impersonal force of a cosmos, an energy frequency, and a very personal manifestation that becomes personal when a son or a daughter of God decides by free will to ensoul that force. This Mother Mary did, this we can do. But we have to overcome this antipathy to the concept of God as Mother. And until we do, we will find ourselves as a people and as a nation unprotected from the forces of Antichrist and Anti-Mother, which are raging the spiritual warfare of Armageddon against our souls and against our souls' emergence into the fullness of that maturity whereby we can anchor the light of God and bring out and manifest the victory in this age. How can we distinguish between the real and the counterfeit mother force that you describe? I guess the difference, Doug, is between Eve before the fall and Eve after the fall. And it all hinges on obedience to the laws of God. The sin of Eve was the sin of disobedience against the Lord Christ. Obedience simply means being in harmony with the inner blueprint of ourselves, being in harmony with the forces of cosmos that govern our very life. The woman clothed with the sun is the woman who has magnetized the light of cosmos to the glory of the feminine ray of God. That woman in the book of Revelation can be every woman on earth. But in order to be clothed with the sun, she must be willing to surrender all that is unlike that sun consciousness. And then the flame within her heart becomes the magnet of great central sun energies, and she becomes so filled with light that she is able to hold the flame on earth for the coming to the fore of that Christ consciousness in all of the sons and daughters of God. Inasmuch as we have seen centuries upon centuries roll by without too much manifestation of this cosmic consciousness, we can surmise that there have not been very many women who have been able to ensoul this mother force and to keep it steady in the face of that dragon of the carnal mind within the self and within the mass consciousness. And so today, Mother Mary comes to the fore, gives us a science, gives us a new rosary and a new way to use the spoken word to coalesce energy she is doing this not for her personal adoration or adulation but she desires to transfer to us our rightful and lawful inheritance as sons and daughters of god and men as well as women must exalt the mother principle because we are all seeking that balance of father and mother Women pray to father just as naturally as men ought to pray to mother. And in the fusion of the twain, we will have happy, harmonious, healthy families and offsprings 
healthy communities, healthy states and nations. It all begins with the resolution within ourselves of the father and mother principles. And really, this is the basis of modern psychology. And it is our schism and our problems dealing with our earthly mothers and fathers that generate in us this alienation from God, the father and God, the mother. It's really the difference between night and day then, isn't it? It's like the difference between the sun and the moon. The moon energies are identified with a figure of the great whore in the book of Revelation. This is the personification of that anti-mother force. It is a death energy because it always seeks to tear down and to lower the energies of man and woman until they are entirely spent upon a pleasure cult and a success cult instead of upon the true culture of the mother whereby we are raised up and not torn down. What does this have to do with the daily lives of our listeners? It simply means that we have an energy locked within our being. It is like the lightning that has flashed across the sky for a million years. It is like the white fire core of the atom that is in the heart of the mountains and the rocks. Suddenly man discovers this energy, he harnesses it, and a whole new era of life and civilization occurs. The energy of mother locked within all of us can be released. When it is released, it is a joy of living. We discover who we are. We become truly worthy sons and daughters of God. The moment we begin to salute with the dawn the light of mother and the light of father within ourselves, this energy is unlocked. It comes to the fore. It gives us joy, dominion, purpose, and understanding of our reason for being. And it unfolds the path of the ascension whereby we can reunite with God. Whatever we are doing in this moment, washing the dishes, cleaning house, preparing the evening meal, this can become a sacred labor which we charge with the energies of father and mother within our being. And suddenly, matter is endowed with spirit. This is the materialization of the God flame, its crystallization. It is the spiritualization of our consciousness. It means that a new energy, a new life, comes into us, and by this life we can experience the atonement, the redemption, the resurrection, and the reunion with God. This is the goal of life, but it's a daily goal. Paul said, I die daily. And what it really means is we are born and reborn daily as we recontact this source, this fount of life that God has placed within us. We need this energy. Our lives are dead without it. This is why people meditate. Meditation is but the first step of the science of the spoken word. When we meditate upon God or the inner self or the great void, we contact that energy source. To draw it down and make it practical in our life to solve every single problem we have, we must vocalize, we must let it burst forth as a song, a decree, a praise, a fiat from our throat chakra. Then it crystallizes, and we find that that energy becomes charged, literally charged with a new life. And we are no longer the living dead, but we are alive and buoyant with life. Life takes on a new freedom, and we realize that this freedom is meant for all peoples and all nations, and we become excited about transferring this word and this flame we have discovered in our heart. This then becomes the flame that leaps heart to heart across the earth with that awakening, quickening energy that is the new age.
I like to ask our listeners to meditate upon God the Mother who lives within you, and to give adoration and salutation to that Mother as I pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sons and daughters of God, now and at the hour of our victory over sin, disease, and death. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sons and daughters of God, now and at the hour of our victory over sin, disease, and death. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sons and daughters of God, now and at the hour of our victory over sin, disease, and death. Thank you very much. All right, up next, our weekly Q&A, and today we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway of your ascension. For more, visit www.tsl.org. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we are back. And joining us today is our old friend, Sidney Bennett. Perhaps I shouldn't say old, should I? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the shoe fits. (laughs) Well, hi, Sidney. Okay, well, another easy topic today, right? right? Light versus darkness. You know, we've got this massive battle being waged all around us, yet the vast majority of people on this planet don't seem to realize who's fighting and what's at stake. 
Why? And, and this is a prime strategy of the fallen ones. You know, there's a movie a few years ago called Conspiracy Theory. I don't know if you saw oh, it. Oh, yeah, sure. But the, the thing was, this guy was so afraid of conspiracy, and in fact, the conspiracy was real. <laughs> well, whether there's political conspiracies or not, there is yeah. definitely a spiritual conspiracy on this planet, and it's been going on for eons. And it's the conspiracy to keep us from knowing who we are, who we can become, mm. and how we get there. And, of course, that's what these many strategies are like. First of all, the devil isn't real. There's no evil. It's yeah. everything relative good and evil. People right. are pretty much the same. You know, you're kind of you're either pawn scum or you're such a worthless <laughs> sinner that you 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 know it's it's yeah. only by God's grace that you're going to do anything. Mm. It is a fog. It is a um, cloud that prevents people from knowing their God potential within them. They have distorted the teachings of Jesus, of the true light and the path of the Christhood that we can each walk. They have got people caught up in the pleasure cult, the success cult, the money cult, mm. whatever it is, sports, anything to distract them from realizing God within them. And then even rock music and the loudness of our society, how can we hear that still small, small voice within? So we must separate ourselves. We must understand who we are, where we're going, how we get there, and to stop believing the lie. It's yeah. a comfortable lie. It's the <laughs> lie of death, sweet death. And we have to challenge the lie in God's name, and we have to realize what is going on, because if we don't realize what's going on, the battle will not be won. Whoa. <laughs> well, does, uh, does being so unaware as a race mean that the fallen angels have basically won, Sidney? Well, you know, the fallen <laughs> angels haven't come up with any new strategies for a very long time simply because they have worked so well. Mm-hmm. And they have worked in past. We have the whole civilization of Lemuria that was in the Pacific Ocean that went down. We had Atlantis that, that sunk. Many Golden Age civilizations have failed. Why have they failed? Because people have bought the lie. Oh. And so... I would, but at the same time, I would never say that they have won because the Ascended Master El Moria tells us we are winning from the beginning, which sounds kind of zen. But I think that the point is that the fallen angels are running out of time, and they know this. They're not going to go on for eternity. They don't have eternal life. When their time is up, they will be taken, and God will deal with them. And so they know it's their last hurrah. And so it's a battle of light and darkness that says, are they going to destroy this planet and destroy our opportunity for our path and our Christhood? Or are we going to take stand and invoke the light of the holy angels and God to deal with these forces so that once and for all this planet can be free and be the planet it's meant to be? Oh, amen, brother. You know, you mentioned time, um, going back in time to the Lemuria, Atlantis, and also the fact that their time is running out. Um, you know, the Ascended Masters have reminded us numerous times that the Fallen Angels plan for the long term. So, you know, despite the long-range momentum of the Fallen One's plans, how do we turn the tide now? Well, first of all, the fallen ones are not God. You have to remember that. Yeah. And so they have worked very hard because they know, number one, they're not God. And number two, although they think they are, I guess, yeah. number two, they must live on the light they steal from, from us. So they do plan long term. But I think the idea is that God has not been idle all these times. He sent his teachers. He sent his prophets, the saints that have held a tremendous balance. And there is an awakening in this age. There really is of what's going on. And if we each take that individual accountability and responsibility, it's not too late. We can still turn the tide. And I want to just tell a quick story about a planet that we know of. It's called the Violet Planet now, though it wasn't always called that, which was actually in much worse shape than the planet Earth. And a very small group of individuals on that planet started to do the violet flame, invoke the light of God, and literally that planet was turned around. So it doesn't take a lot of people, but it takes the coefficient of light and of invoking God's presence. And obviously to do that, you have to be aware of who you are and what's going on. Oh, indeed. Well, we've been told uh, repeatedly that the forces of darkness use the same strategies over and over again to trap us into releasing our light. 
And when we feel under attack, such as being subjected to impulses of anger or depression or despair and so forth, what can we do about it? Well, I think it's also remembering, as Mrs. Prophet talked about, the enemy within. And in a way, the enemy within is perhaps the most dangerous enemy to us, even greater than that without. It's our human consciousness, our carnal mind, or what the masters have called the dweller on the threshold. It's our miscreation from all these embodiments we've had. And it's like the sorcerer's apprentice. It's out to destroy us. And it's very powerful. And so we must challenge that energy with us in the name of God. We must invoke the holy angels and Jesus and the masters to deal with this because it's a great force and it's amplified by the fallen angels. So there's a battle within and without. And it begins with trying to control things like our temper, our emotions, our angers, and also to work on those momentums uh, that we have from the past, whether it's getting psychological counseling or, or just challenging it or invoking the light. But that's a twofold battle both within and without. Yeah, you know... I I'm reminded of the fact that in, in my own life, I have tended to minimize the, this, the nature of the struggle, the dimensions of the struggle. And in listening to this discussion, um, some of those who hear us might be thinking that, oh, this is kind of a, it's kind of like talking about a small town football rivalry or something, light versus darkness. You know, and I realize that it's the very sense of the mundane that prevents many of us from realizing the true dimensions of the war that we're engaged in. But I think, again, you mentioned their time is running out, but isn't it a good idea that we, we tune in pretty quick? Well, we better realize what's going on. Otherwise, we're just going to be asleep. You know, yeah. Gautama Buddha, when he was asked if he was a saint or a sage or a master, he said, none of these things. They said, well, what are you? And he said, I am awake. And we need to be awake to the time and cycle on this planet, to what is going on, the importance of this time. It is Armageddon. Whether we like it or not, it's here. We can win this battle if we invoke the light. But unless we take action, it won't happen. Well, yep, clearly we better wake up. And at the <laughs> risk of uh, <laughs> asking you to repeat the point you just made, is it possible that we can reach a point of no return? Yeah. Yes, Good question. it is. Because of free will, we can lose. And planets have been lost. They have been destroyed because of the fallen ones. And so that's why what we do is individuals is so important don't think someone else is going to do it for you god is the doer but we individually must invoke that light we must overcome our human consciousness and put on the the, the cloak and the, or the, the christhood within us even as jesus did it can be done man has done it and it can be done wow well on that note we should take a break right here but we'll be back with more q a with Sidney bennett in a moment don't go away For visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? 
Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway of your ascension. For more, visit www.tsl.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Well, okay, everyone, we are back once again for more discussion with Sydney Bennett. And, Sydney, I, I want to pick up on that thread uh, that we kind of left the last segment with, and that is this. Has the human race come close before to being, um, shall we say, finished? Indeed, and this is part of the hidden history of planet Earth that unfortunately has been kept from the people of light. And at one point, the Earth sunk so low that literally there wasn't even fire on the planet, that the human race had had devolved uh, almost to the point of being animals. Hmm. And the Cosmic Council's responsible for the planet to decide that the planet would be destroyed because there was no one holding light and holding the flame of God upon this planet. But aha, <laughs> a great cosmic being by the name of Sanat Kamara, that's, that's his name that's called in the Hindu scriptures, we call him the Ancient of Days, referred to in the Bible, mm-hmm. volunteered to come to the earth and sponsor the earth and so the souls of light and bring, in fact, the light and the fire they could start to evolve. Now, what's interesting mm-hmm. about this is with him came 144,000 souls of light from another place in cosmos that would help to hold the balance. And they would, they would embody on the planet and teach the people. And many of us perhaps may have been part of that 144,000. But what happened is as they embodied, they forgot who they were and they got caught up in karma. So here we are again, virtually at the same point in a way that the Earth's survival is in question. And... The Savior must be God, but the save, God must save this planet through us, yep. and that's our role. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you this, Sydney. How many souls of light does it take to hold the balance for good in the world? <laughs> How many on the head of a pin? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. That's an easy one. I don't know. But um, I, the point I want to make is I told this story a few minutes ago about the violet planet. It took mm. a handful of people to start the momentum that saved the planet. And, you know, with, you know, obviously with God, one is a majority. As we can evolve and hold more light in our auras, that light will spread. It will change the equation of light and darkness. It will change the balance scales. And once that happens, once the light gains the momentum and is in greater um, uh, amount and intensity on this mm-hmm. planet, it's like it'll, it'll gain momentum and things can change very quickly. It's getting that momentum of the light. That will make the difference. You know, I, that's very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Hopeful. I said, well, helpful, too, actually. So if one plus God is a majority, uh, then we must be winning, right? Well, we have the potential to win and we have the potential to lose. That goes again back to free will. And, you know, sometimes all we have to do is fulfill our reason for being and God will do the rest. And so as a result of that, know that the victory can be won. 
but it won't be Lana unless each one of us individually. You know, societies, cultures, civilizations are lost in the little things that build up. They're almost unnoticed. It's a gradual thing. And at some point, the line must be drawn that says, this has gone too far. The light of God must come forth. It must displace this darkness. This is the lie, and I will invoke the spirit and the and the archangels and the angels and everyone to come forth to fight this battle. But I can't allow it to go on anymore on this planet. We're accountable for this planet. God has given us free will. We need to do our part, and then God will do his. So we don't get a free pass. There's no free pass. And don't expect that God is going to save us simply because we're here. God gave us free will, and that is the ultimate law of the universe. And if the people on this planet don't want to respond and don't want to save this planet, that is their choice. But we're not going to let that happen by God's grace. No, right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the anti-mother forces that we heard about in our earlier interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Can you summarize for us what the mother principle is and how it manifests in our lives? In other words, uh, the mother giving birth to the Christ consciousness or the man-child? Well, absolutely. And, and except for Mother Mary, for the most part, uh, Western civilization has been devoid of God as mother. And again, this is a plot and a strategy of the following ones. How could God only be father and not be mother? It just doesn't make <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And so the mother flame is everything we know a human mother to be, but much, much more. It nurtures, it feeds, it gives birth to. It, it's, it's a wonderful vibration. And whether you want to call it Mother Earth, it is the mother flame that is manifest in matter as the father is in spirit. You know, speaking of the mother principle in the context of the battle between light and darkness, uh, we heard Mrs. Prophet refer to darkness as the dragon. What does she mean by that? Well, the dragon is symbolic, but it, it seeks to devour the mother and her child, you know, and prevent the culture of the mother, the great things Mrs. Prophet talked about in any society coming forth. And so when you take the mother away, what is left? Not much. And it's interesting because not only is this a symbolic of the devouring of the mother and the child, but you think of the practice of abortion, which oh. literally physically <laughs> devours the child. Yes. And, and so it's literal and it's symbolic both. Well, what we're really talking about then is in, in describing the struggle between light and darkness is understanding that those fallen ones and forces of darkness are intent on denying us the true reality of who we are, right? Absolutely, because remember, their existence up to now has been dependent on stealing light from us. They don't get it from God anymore. They have rejected God. So their existence depends on stealing this light. So they come up with these strategies to get it from us, which, as I mentioned before, mm -hmm. have been relatively effective. Yeah. And so <laughs> what happens is if we find out who we are, if we find out our true destiny in God, if we find out there are ways to protect and protect and preserve this light, then they're going to lose. And so that's why they don't want anyone to know mm -hmm. that we are sons and daughters of God. We have the potential to realize God, to become the Christ, as Jesus and the other great saints of East and West have done. And that is our path. It's our dharma. It's our, it's our way of life. It's what we're meant to be. And as long as they can keep us in darkness and spending our light and our energy on, on these other things, then they get it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get this down to the practical then. Um, what can we do right now to reestablish our true identity? Well, first of all, I think we have to identify and accept ourselves as being worthy of being a chalice of God in this planet. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we haven't sinned, but we are not inherently sinners. God is within us, and we must treat ourselves and the God within us in that respect. And when you look at life that way, you, you're going to live differently. You're going to do things differently. As Mrs. Prophet said, love is the key. Mm -hmm. But that's not enough in this hour. We must draw down the light in greater increments, again, to tip the scale of light versus darkness. 
we can do this through the science of the spoken word. We have just spoken to many, we've referred to many times. Often, very often. We call them decrees, the violet flame, protection calls to Archangel Michael. It, it's a matter of, of scientifically invoking the light, infusing it with the love of our hearts, and sending it forth. That will change things on the planet. Good intentions will change nothing. Prayers are wonderful, but the science of the spoken word and decrees are one of those powerful ways of invoking God's archangels and masters that will fight this battle for mm-hmm. us. You know, there was a, uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found many of the old books of the Bible, but they found one that wasn't in the Bible, and it was entitled, uh, The Battle Between the Sons of Light and the Sons of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And even then, mm-hmm. they knew what was going on in this ancient conspiracy. This is the battle that's going on within and without. And I want to mention one more thing here is that if you haven't read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, oh, yeah. you've got to get this because oh, yeah. if you read it years ago, read it again. It talks about the projection of these fallen angels, these little demons and entities that will project this condemnation, unworthiness, whatever they want to prevent to put on you to prevent you from standing forth and saying, I am not perfect in a human way, but God is with me. me. I'm going to defend that integrity of that God presence, and I'm going to take those actions not only to increase the light in my aura, but to increase the light on this planet. And I can do that through the science of the spoken word, through love and service and whatever else that needs to be done. Okay, well then on, on that topic, to sum up our focus on the strategies of light versus darkness, what is the one strategy you would suggest we all employ to help us defeat darkness and evil? Well, again, I would reiterate, realize who you are, to spread the word and the truth. And this is not a witch hunt. We're going out and saying people are fallen <laughs> angels. Because even the light bearers have embodied, unfortunately, some of the qualities of darkness. But we must work in our own lives and work in a global sense. And we do that by invoking the light of God through our prayers, our decrees. God will fight this battle for us, but we have to call him into this um, into this planet, into this, this world. Because if you look around, things aren't going well. And so yeah. only God can solve that. Yeah, indeed. Well, um, that's it. You know, we're out of time. And once again, I want to thank Sidney Bennett for shedding clear light on complex subjects. And until next time, remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out of this world. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.